Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Today is July 9th, 2019, and of course, um, there was a five-minute delay on me getting on. Maybe they knew what I was coming with, because I have stumbled upon things that I never thought I would have stumbled upon, and I'm actually reaching out to a lot of people as my resources and ability due to geographical location are kind of limited. Um, So we've got a lot going on, guys. There is a lot going on, a lot of um, narrative push. Uh, Where do we start? I mean, do we start gloating? Do we start saying, you know, it's all begun now? I mean, if anyone actually pays attention to the political scene, uh, they'd be able to see that this was all something that was coming to fruition anyway. And it is not something new at all. At all. So one has to wonder, you know, what was the delay? Obviously, it's the Mueller investigation because it was a roadblock. That's basically what it did. Now, as I always say, we should always listen to the president directly from him to find out what's important, what we need to focus on. So first thing he tweeted out this morning was that we have very good numbers in the economy. He said that there's a lot of potential for growth. He also said that the trade deals that he's negotiating right now are being set up for negotiation, uh, that, that he has them in the works, and that he's um, that we, as a nation, have been treated unfairly, to put it mildly. We have been robbed, and that was the whole purpose, to collapse our uh, you know, economic infrastructure, to collapse our social infrastructure with illegal aliens, and, you know, at some point, all, you know, citizens of the United States would gladly forfeit their rights to be able to make ends meet. I mean, that's how corrupt people work. The next thing he tweeted out this morning was something that I was waiting for him to say. Now, we all know this whole Russia, Russia, Russia happened with cooperation of many, many global players. Now, There were cables that were intercepted. What are cables? I mean, you know, that's just communication between diplomats, you know, presidents, prime ministers, military leaders. They're supposed to be secure forms of communication. So anyway, there were cables that were intercepted that were describing the Trump administration kind of like oh my gosh it's a knife fight in the White House and he's this and he's that you know and giving some other information too now I'll get into that a little bit later but what the president and who am I referring to I'm just saying the dude 
it's the crazy ambassador that the United Kingdom has. So he is the one putting out very bad um, information about our president um, to other member states. But here's the thing. Uh, the president doesn't want him. And I think the president of the United States has a right to ask for a different ambassador. I'm just saying. His exact tweet was, the wacky ambassador that the UK foisted upon the United States is not someone we're thrilled with. A very stupid guy. He should speak to his country and Prime Minister May about their failed Brexit negotiation and not be upset with my criticism of how badly it was how badly it was handled. I told Theresa May to how to do that deal, but she went her own foolish way, was unable to get it done. A disaster. I don't know the ambassador, but I've been told he's a pompous fool. Tell him the USA now has the best economy and military anywhere in the world by far, and they are both only getting bigger, better, stronger. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, so, obviously, someone wrote that for the president because it says, thank you, Mr. President. But the key here is that, you know, we've intercepted these uh, communications. Uh, they were actually reported in England. And, um, you know, obviously, Theresa May, she came out after this tweet. Oh, my gosh, you know. Uh, how can you attack Sir Kim DeRock? You know, oh my gosh. Theresa May's like, we totally back him. Uh, you know, how could he call him, you know, stupid? Uh, she specifically reiterated that, uh, saying that, um, you know, I support our ambassador and, um, you know, she supports him even though there was an embarrassing email leak cable and his views of President Trump, which was he's inept, clumsy, insecure. He was, you know, bad-mouthing our president. And so the president, you know, he's not one. We know this. He's not a person, and he told the cost of this, that cares about hurting people's feelings. Because if you're so spineless and you say this behind my back, you know, I should call you out on it. That's the way it is. And that is exactly how our president works. You want to play backstabber? You want to talk smack about me? I'm going to put it on the stage. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm okay with that. I love that, actually. I'm the same way. If you're going to say something about me, say it to my face. Don't put it on a public forum where I can't see it. Say it to my face where I can crush you with facts or crush you with my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. But when you make it as such, taking a position of authority to put it out there, hey, you better be prepared to get backlash from me. That's the way it goes. Now, um, Theresa May, uh, she... Um, a spokesperson actually said that the UK has a special and enduring relationship with the US based on long history and commitment and shared values and will continue to be the case. Downing Street, we have made it clear to the US how unfortunate this leak is. The selective extracts leak do not reflect the closeness uh, and the esteem in which we hold the relationship. Now, this is what Downing Street said. Bottom line is, Guys, we don't trust you. We already know you mobilized your own, you know, intelligence agencies to help the corrupt, swamp, deep state, fourth, unelected branch to 
first of all, meddle with our elections, and second, to impeach him because he doesn't align with whatever plans you guys had for the whole world. So that's, that's basically it. I personally, because he is the president, he can clearly say, I don't want that ambassador. I want someone else. That's it. He can do that because you can decline to accept the ambassador that they appoint. And that's pretty much it. He doesn't, Sir Kim doesn't have to say here. He can go. And I think that is what President Trump is making clear. I don't like it. He's in my house. He's talking about me in my house. Get rid of him. That is exactly why he tweeted it. Other than to just embarrass them. Now, there was another tweet. Uh, he uh, tweeted um, Steve Ducey from Fox and Friends. He said, I agree with, pres- with the president. The Supreme Court got it wrong. There should be a question about citizenship on the census, uh, said Attorney General Barr. sees a path to add the citizenship question. I mean, that's the basic question we should all be asking when you're getting a census. Because I've gone over this before when we were talking about the census, uh, census uh, about a month or so ago, which is... The census allows the Office of Management and Budget to allocate funds to specific states or city depending on their needs. So if you've got a lot of, you know, people that are not legal, then you need money for immigration lawyers. You need more USCIS representatives. Like in the state of North Dakota, guys, uh, I've told you my husband is a legal alien. You know, he had to travel all the way to Fargo from where we are, which is a four-hour drive, because that was the closest USCIS office. I mean, he's lucky he didn't have to go to Minnesota. But that's the whole point of the census. See, if you have a lot of migrants, um, you know, and they're filling out the census form, legal or not legal, then they have more offices. I mean, this is how we allocate budgets. Now, on the other hand, the Democrats are like, oh my gosh, you know, if you put that on there, then you know where they are and you're going to round them up. Okay, yeah, maybe, but we don't need that. You helped us with it anyway. What did you do? You um, allowed us, right? Allowed us to find them. How? You gave them driver's licenses. How? Well, the driver's license, the DMV, submits all their information to the FBI. I've written about it through big league politics last year. That's what got my personal account banned by uploading these memorandums of understanding. So FBI face services is in full effect. So if they've got your picture on a driver's license, you're illegal. They know where you live, where you are, what insurance you got, and they're coming for you. They know your car. They know everything. So for all those illegal aliens out there that are getting driver's license, look at me. I'm legitimized. You just handed us your name, address, and everything about you so we can find you. And those of you that have skipped your court hearings because you've been here for eight years, 10 years, five years, three years, and not gone to your court hearing, you're the first ones that are going out. That's how it works. So... It's, you know, it's a two-way street, right, guys? So this is, this is the good part of what we're seeing happening on that front. Now, the census, it should be fixed. We're going to have, um, you know, we have concerns with the Supreme Court, and, and that's going to be coming to fruition, you guys. We're going to have a lot come out on that in regards to, hey, what's the Supreme Court doing? Why are they, you know, dilly-dallying? Why are they dilly-dallying with all this... Uh, you know, hey, we don't want to, you know, get rid of the migrants or, uh, hey, um, you know, we want to kind of let them be. 
It's a little bit iffy if you ask me. So the question lies in, all right, who's getting paid, by who, for what, and when. So that'll, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see the way it pans out um, in regards to uh, the Supreme Court and the overturn of what they stated. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. Now, Let's further, let's go on. So what did our president tweet out? He said, outrage is growing in the great state of Minnesota where our patriots are now having a fight for the right to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I'll be fighting with you at Fox and Friends. Now, here's the thing. In Minnesota, it has been pushed as such, indeed, that they should not, you know, have the Pledge of Allegiance at school uh, and... You know, this has been an ongoing issue. Uh, my um, my local friend and only actual journalist uh, in uh, the state of North Dakota is this guy named Chris Berg, and he's been talking about it for a while and bringing it up that that is a concern. It is a concern that they're trying to eradicate Americanism. And, you know, it's no surprise that it's coming from Minneapolis, you know, Minnesota, basically. Now, I just want to give you guys a heads up. There's a huge piece that I'm doing on Minnesota and the Somalis that I'll be putting up through Laura Loomer's website for you guys. It is incredible. And it totally makes sense is why the Pledge of Allegiance shouldn't be there. The leniency that that you see happening with the migrants there. I mean, it's it's incredible. Okay, it is very incredible. It is very difficult for someone to parse out how to even fix something like this. I mean, where do you start? Where do you start? Do you start with the people that don't want to assimilate? Where do you start? You can't. You can't find a way to start. Now, here's another funny thing that I saw that was really weird. And I mean, you guys can take it as you wish. Uh, For me, it was just what? So North Dakota sent an email out saying that the North Dakota delegation must demand Acosta's resignation. So basically they're saying, you know, the arrest of Jeffrey Epstein that happened over the weekend, you know, warranted that, you know, the president, that President Trump's labor secretary, Alex Acosta, he was involved with the plea deal. So we should just get him fired. So the thing is, who would want him fired more if there wasn't something else going on? It would be President Trump, of course. Right. And there's always a method to what he does. He's not just going to fire you. If he wants to fire you, he will. But at his time, not when someone tells him. And if he's not firing you under such scrutiny, mm, there's a reason. So we all have to watch and learn because things come out as they are. Now, another tweet that he sent out, he's been on fire, by the way, this morning, is that um, uh, one of Fox and Friends, which says, with President Trump at the helm, not only is America getting great again, but he's going to make our stitcheries, our rivers, our water, everything better. The things he is doing and done are helping America tremendously. Thank you to, um, and and that was uh, Bruce Orbach who said that. Now, he is. He's reinvesting in infrastructure. So that is um, pretty interesting because there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, we're not investing here and there. That's because the previous administrations have been handing out 
all our money through USAID. I wrote articles about this last year. I wrote articles about this at the beginning of the year. They're just handing out money. So then they get kickbacks back, right? So nobody looks after us. I mean, California got all this money for the bullet train. All they have is like a few stands. They got nothing. So he is reinvesting in it by changing the way legislations go. So that's that. He also tooted how food stamp participation hits a 10-year low. Wow. Well, that is also included on the fact that illegal migrants no longer present themselves to the welfare, you know, locations because some of them got ice right there waiting for them. So that's also helping. And obviously, because we have more jobs, more people working. His next tweet was India. Okay, let's talk briefly about India. I've told you that Modi is like the Indian Obama, right? And he is very, very close with the Clintons and the Obamas. 100% very close. They've hung out together. You have to remember Hillary Clinton slipped on stairs, right? Who was she hanging with? All right, then. So now we're on the same page. He tweeted out, India has long had a field day putting tariffs on American products. Not acceptable. Exactly. So what do we do? We've got to start imposing fines, fees, and tariffs of our own. I mean, after all, we have a lot of call centers in India. So maybe we should crack down on U.S. companies that outsource to India and charge them for outsourcing those jobs to India and shut down some call centers or maybe give incentives for those companies. Because once we put, you know, 100,000 Indian call centers, you know, people at call centers out of work, you'll see right quick how they respond to that. So... And this is something that I talked about during the G20 and how India was going to play, you know, the stomping feet uh, role like Obama does. And here it is. Uh, next tweet that he put out is recent strained decisions by the United States Supreme Court. Some so simple as allowing the question, are you a citizen of the United States on our on our very expensive census report or the even more strained decisions to allowing the world's most expensive and pathetic health care, Obamacare, to stay in place when it would be would have been replaced by something far better shows how incredibly important our upcoming 2020 election is. I have long heard the appointment of Supreme Court justices is the president's most important decision. So true. That is a hint. I told you guys last week and I dropped it, I think, at the beginning of this week. Um, that it's going to be pretty exciting because we're going to have two Supreme Court justices leave by the end of this year. So that is um, something that we need to pay attention to. Also, I had a whole show about uh, how we've revamped the canons of judges and these apply to the Supreme Court too. And these will apply to the Fisk judges too. These will apply to every single judge. And for all those people out there that feel that they were politically biased, like there was a political bias during your case, during anything, feel free to send an email to the Department of Justice citing it 
I think they're going to be putting up that information of where and how you can complain to it. But usually it's to your federal district court where you kind of send a review uh, for them to see the transcripts. And if they say anything snarky, like, oh, yeah, keep that for this. Or, you know, you need to be quiet because I don't like you. That kind of stuff, not allowed anymore. Kind of like, you know, how Judge Ellis was like, oh, you know, oh, my gosh, treason, Flynn. Oh, my gosh. This is where we're going to see it pan out. All right, so the next tweet, he retweeted Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows had retweeted Charlie Gill uh, from NBC saying, A.G. Barr says in press conference that Bob Mueller's congressional subpoena only serves as a public spectacle and that if Mueller decides he doesn't want to be subject to it, DOJ would certainly back him. Now, Mark Meadows retweeted that and said, Barr is absolutely right about the Mueller testimony being a public spectacle. That's all it ever was. Democrats, Mueller messaging isn't breaking through because nobody cares. They want to focus on their lives, not on the political collusion fantasy that was dead long, long ago. And he retweeted Mark Meadows again. Mark Meadows had retweeted CNBC. Strong job growth is back. Payrolls rose 224,000 in June. Well above expectations. Five experts weigh in on what the strong June report says. Now, this is important that we hear it only because this is exactly what this president has done. I uh, want to get to Michael Strain first. Michael, what do you make of this? I mean, I think I think what we're seeing is a, a kind of wage growth having accelerated over the last few years. That's still at a point where it's pulling people into the labor market. So you saw an uptick in participation. Uh, there is some slack left. That slack is being absorbed. And the economy is adding jobs at a pace of around 170,000 if you look over the last three months. So ignore last month's noise, ignore this month's noise, average to about 170 or thereabouts. That right. represents a deceleration from where we were you know, uh, over the last several years, but it's still solid. We're still in good shape. We should say Rick, Rick Santelli is the winner. Yes. He came closest. So we're going to go to Rick right now. Rick. Um, you got the you number know, you want, but I don't know if that's the number investors are going to want, given what the Fed may think of that. Who cares? Seriously. <laughs> it, it- okay, so I stopped it right there. Who cares? Nobody cares about the Fed because from what it seems, the Fed is on its way out. So. Mark Meadows, when he retweeted that, he said, this was amazing news from over the weekend. 224,000 jobs created in June, blowing away expectations of 160,000 jobs. That's what was estimated. That's over 6 million jobs created since our president took office two and a half years ago. 6 million jobs, not a million, not 2 million, like he said, 6 million. That is incredible. And if anything, that just proves... uh, His magic wand is simply putting America first. That is something that our president has been campaigning on. That is something that he's been pushing on, which is if we put our country first and we put our interests first and we create deals where we dictate, not others, because so far all these agreements of trade and whatnot are being dictated for us. This is the first time we're dictating. We're saying, um, I don't think so. This is what we'd like. They come back saying, this is what we'd like. Look, let's find something in the middle. If it doesn't work, we're just not going to trade. That's the way it goes. That is how a country should be working. We shouldn't have, 
you know, France, Canada, Germany, China, Russia, India, African nations, you know, South American nations, Central American nations, Mexico, chime in and tell us, oh, this is how you're going to trade. So uh, U.S., you're going to buy all your beef from them, but I don't want to. See, if I get my beef from Argentina, they'll give me a better deal. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. So you're going to buy the beef from them and they'll buy some carrots from you. And she's just like, no, I want this. See, this is what he's fixing. Forget what the news are telling you. I'm just trying to simplify it for you. He wants us to be able to dictate our own economy. That is something we have not been able to do for a very, very long time. And it was well overdue. And as we can see, the fact that we're dictating our economy means that we can actually create jobs, growth. I mean, it's it's just an incredible ride that we're seeing our country go through right now. We are on a good ride. I love it. Our president is doing a great job. Now, I'll see you all in just a bit after this short break where we'll continue on this. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10 year warranty and a 60 day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1 800 961 9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I am uber excited to talk about something. So we were talking about Flynn. We were talking about judges. And now we see that um, the DOJ has taken a 360, guys. So the Department of Justice reversed their position in regards to a foreign, uh, you know, registering your company as a, as a foreign entity for the Flynn Intel Group. So now, right before trial, um, the Department of Justice has now found General Flynn as a co-conspirator. This is pretty huge. Okay. Uh, I can't believe that it was, um, it, this was done under seal uh, and it was pretty incredible because um the judge clearly asked um this isn't in the indictment is the government alleging that mr flynn was part of this conspiracy and they said no we're not and that was part of you know the whole statement right so what what is happening here is that they're actually saying that the government is amending their representation at trial. The government will ask the court to find based upon a preponderance of the evidence presented at trial that Flynn was a co-conspirator in the conspiracy charged in the superseding indictment. The government will introduce out of court statements by Flynn pursuant to, you know, some federal court um, rule of evidence that the government does not plan um, and the government does not plan to call Flynn as a witness in its case in chief. So he was a witness to a case. Now they're saying he's a co-conspirator and they're going to use statements that he's made against him according to some rules, you know, that he's probably made in the public or that they're using. So what's What's weird is, is why is the Department of Justice retaliating against Flynn? You have to think why they are retaliating against him. Because what they're pretty much saying is that the prosecutors have been... um, uh, Let me just skim, skim through this one second. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Basically, they're saying that the prosecutors have been adamant. Mr. Flynn testified that he authorized the filing of the FARA form, knowing and intending that it contained false statements. Mr. Flynn cannot give that testimony because it's not true. That is an that is really crazy. So they said after participating in further trial prep with the government, new counsel advised the prosecutors last week, as Mr. Flynn has said in previous interviews, his testimony of the underlying facts of the transactions remains consistent with his prior testimony and interviews. Unfortunately, the government was not satisfied with that. Oh, so no matter what he says, they're not going to like it. Why are they retaliating? That's the thing. So they're pressuring General Flynn. Why? So, uh, you know, in the beginning of uh, July, um, uh, we know that there was, um, okay, so let's put it this way. 
So Michael Flynn Jr., right, obviously and General Flynn and the Flynn's in general have counsel, right? So we know Sid- Sydney is now their counsel. So if a cop or an agent or another lawyer knows or prosecutor knows that you're represented, they need to go to the attorney. They can't come to you straight. Well, in the case of Michael Flynn, they actually did try to do it. So uh, Sidney Powell actually uh, responded and uh, so she kind of put out to respond to this new Department of Justice um, pressure. I mean, it's pretty incredible, you guys. I can um, I can tweet it out. So now we're seeing a pivot. So the concern that all of us have is, all right, what's going on? Who's behind it? Where is this going? Like, where are they taking this to? Who's doing this, right? This is the question that we all have, right? These are the questions that we should have is why is this happening? Why are they attacking the general? But like we've said many, many times before, what? The general is what? The guy that knows where everything, every single body is buried. And now we're talking about Turkey, okay? Remember how I said Turkey. Now, I haven't put the article up yet because I'm still waiting for the okay, but in Turkey, the actual terrorists that they, they, they've told us that they found the people that orchestrated the whole Benghazi thing, it's a lie. It is a lie. The FBI and Brennan let him go and he is being harbored by the Turks in Ankara. That was stated by, um, you know, uh, General Haftar of Libya, um, that, you know, now is headquartered in Benghazi, the one that's not, so we have Benghazi that's controlled by the Libyans, and then we have Tripoli uh, that's controlled by Qatar, Turkey, and recognized only by the UN. So only those two nations are backing it. We're backing Haftar as a nation. So he's the one that gave us up that intel. So you have to think, if Turkey's in the spotlight right now, because Turkey just signed a defense agreement with the United Nations to take over and become the army for their recognized Libya, which is just the city of Tripoli. So if Turkey is in this and that is happening, why would they go after Flynn? Well, because remember, where was Flynn's company in Turkey? So we have to just kind of see what is going on in the background uh, before we kind of jump into uh, what uh, what members of the DOJ are having a problem. Uh, this indicates that we still have issues and there's always a reason as to why things are being done the way they're being done. So... We should be okay with that. Now, moving along, uh, let's just shift gears because that is still developing. We have a new kind of narrative going around through the Democrats, which is, uh, you know, attacking the president in full. We saw them insanely attack him for Russia, didn't we? They spent two and a half years attacking him for Russia. I want you guys to think of something, okay? Think about this carefully. If our president was indeed a pedophile, okay, let's say our president was a pedophile, right? He liked little girls and traveled with Epstein. Do you think if that was true that the Democrats would have created this whole Russia collusion or would they have used that information? Because that would have been way quicker because they tried to convince us, right? 
that this president hired hookers, this president who's a germaphobe, hired hookers to pee on him, on beds, etc., right? But now they're trying to convince us that he was on Epstein's jet and all these things. Now, a lot of people are also coming out saying, oh, it's just the victim's attorneys saying that he was barred from Mar-a-Lago. That's not true. And remember, I dug up that deleted article by the New York Post, which was printed in 2007, where they had actually called Mar-a-Lago and confirmed other online reports stating that Epstein was banned. So the question here lies is, why are all the other news outlets deleting these types of articles why aren't they owning up to it and why are they trying to trash the attorney of the victims i mean isn't it believe herb or just because the attorney saying something good about president trump we shouldn't um we shouldn't be uh giving them any um credibility it's it's just insane it is insane now we do have um some uh, news that I want to kind of um, play for you guys uh, from uh, Chinese side and um, what they are urging us to do uh, in regards to the U.S. and Taiwan um, arms sales. Okay, so you know the U.S. is selling arms to Taiwan and now China's like, yo, you can't do this. And this is kind of breaking because it's happening today and this is their kind of spin on it. So I want you guys to take a listen to what the Chinese are telling us to do. It's kind of like, um, you know, the Russians selling S-400s to Turkey. Just listen. China has called for an arms deal between the U.S. and Taiwan to be canceled immediately. That's after the U.S. State Department approved the sale of over $2 billion of weapons and arms to Taiwan. Well, the move comes amid strained trade relations between Beijing and Washington. Speaking to reporters earlier today, China's foreign ministry called the deal a serious violation of international law and the One China policy. So basically, um, what he's saying in Chinese, and I'm reading this off because I'm still learning Chinese, is um, that um, this is a violation of their international treaties, the principle and the rules of the three joint uh, Sino-U.S. communities, and its interference in China's internal affairs. You know, because we have all that stuff going on in Hong Kong, and just this is, it, it gets, it's, it's actually really interesting. Listen to their commentary. I'm going to skip ahead of him. Includes 250 Stinger missiles, 108 Abrams tanks and related equipment. They were requested by Taiwan earlier this year in order to bolster its defenses, quote, in the face of pressure from China. The U.S. has been obligated to supply the island with arms for some 40 years under the Taiwan Relations Act. U.S. lawmakers now have 30 days to object to the sale, but they are unlikely to do so. Our correspondent Olivia Song has more on Beijing's reaction. 
Beijing has slammed a potential arms sale to Taiwan by the United States, expressing the country's dissatisfaction and resolute opposition to the move. At a daily briefing, China's foreign ministry spokesperson Geng Shuang said the sale is a serious violation of international law and the basic norms governing international relations. He added that the move also seriously violated the One China principle, saying it is a crude interference in China's internal affairs, harming the country's sovereignty and security interest. China has as such lodged solemn representations to the U.S. This $2.2 billion potential arms sale to Taiwan is the largest under the Trump administration. It had come at the request of Taiwan as the self-ruled island seeks to step up its defenses amid growing pressure from Beijing. China has conducted extensive military drills around the island in recent years as it remains suspicious that Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen is pushing for formal independence for the island. Now that is a red line for Beijing which has said it does not exclude the use of force to bring the island under its control. Okay, so let me just break this down. Uh, Taiwan asked for these arms uh, at the beginning of this year, so that's January. It is now July. China has known about this. So I want to just parse the, this apart for you so it makes better sense and it's more clear. Uh now that we're undergoing um, the final bottom line guidelines of trade and what we want, they want, and we're going back and forth, China is trying to use their leverage. Hey, you need us. So, you know, we'll do this, but you need to do this. Um, they're trying to force us to change our relations with Taiwan because they're citing that it hurts their internal relations. Okay, so China believes that Taiwan is China, period. Taiwan wants to be independent, but they also don't want to leave China. So they're kind of feeling like they've been taken over, but not really. This is, I'm just really dumbing it down, very simple, not, you know, too technical. So right now, this deal that was agreed upon after the request at the beginning of the year, seven months down the line, we've got the Chinese bringing it to the table and making it more vocal because this was always on the table. The Chinese were pushing it and pushing it. But now we're coming down, you know, from, you know, a big picture, uh, a lot of paperwork going to now we're narrowed down to like a five point bullet list right between the two nations in regards to trade and that one has stayed there and we're not budging on it and they're saying that trade will fail because we are intervening in their internal you know government structures you know that we are intervening we are playing politics with their politics and they will not have it so this is a big deal okay this isn't you know some run-of-the-mill whatever who cares this is a big deal when a nation calls you out and says what you're doing is causing tension to my government internally that you're meddling with it. So China just pulled a really big trigger against the U.S. And you're, we're going to see that there's going to be an answer to that because, you know, we always answer and we answer nicely, too. We're not, you know, bullies or anything. We answer quite nicely. So. That is something that is happening right now, something that we should keep, you know, in our mind. And um, I would say 
pay attention to. Now, um, before I come to my break, my top of the hour break, I wanted to just tell you guys what's going on uh, in uh, Israel, Libya, uh, we have Jordan involved in Egypt. So there has been some escalation after this signing of this uh, joint defense agreement with Tripoli and Turkey. Uh, obviously, we had Qatar, uh, uh, you know, at the White House where we also, by the way, disinvited the UK ambassador. So he wasn't allowed to come to the dinner with the with the Qataris. He was like, no, you're not coming. So this is why I'm just going to restate. We need to get a new U- UK ambassador in the US because I disinvite him to everything, too. So here's the deal with Qatar. Qatar and Turkey are the only ones arming Tripoli. The only ones, the only nations that are backing Tripoli. Now, France is kind of, but France is more on the Benghazi side and um, supporting the Libyan National Army, just as the United States is, Saudi Arabia is, Egypt is, Jordan is, uh, you know, and all these other nations. Now, what happened was with this defense treaty uh, that they signed, uh, Malta has kind of jumped in. I've told you how Malta actually provides weapons, and we saw them intervene when? When they were hustling what? Trafficking what? Humans across the Mediterranean to Italy from Libya or air quote, Syria, right? It was Libya. And the Italians said, nope, you're not bringing them in here. We're not going to allow trafficking. It's not happening. Who went to save them? It was the Spanish and the Maltese. So it was the Maltese, but there was like a Spanish ship in the area that helped. So here's the deal. Qatar, I am interested to see what Qatar's move is because now that Turkey signed this defense agreement, we've got Jordan with their backup and Egypt with their backup. So they were supposed, the Egyptian prime minister was supposed to be meeting with Erdogan and that today was suddenly postponed. Um, and not postponed to like, oh, this was the fixed date. They were discussing that they were going to meet and that discussion kind of ended. Meaning, oh yeah, uh, well, we haven't decided a date yet, but you guys were discussing, yeah, we're not discussing it anymore kind of thing. That is also a big deal. See, we have to pay attention to what these leaders are saying. Uh, you know, obviously, we can't trust the mainstream media. We can't trust a lot of people of what they say because it's always a POV. So all we could do is pay attention to what the leaders are saying and try to decipher uh, where we stand as a people on that. So um, that is pretty interesting. Uh, that was a very interesting development uh, that I found quite alarming um, coming to the fact that, you know, We've got um, Turkey acting up and Qatar in town and so on and so on. So it's it's pretty incredible. And after the break, I just wanted to tell you guys, we're going to be discussing um, Epstein. We're going to be discussing more of this BS that he's talking about in regards to, hey, I didn't know any of these and I only went four times. And the one time I've um, written an article how he showed up 
to Brunei with Epstein and sold pimping services to the Sultan and the Clinton Foundation got money. So that's that. I also told you guys uh, early yesterday how he had claimed that he had founded the Clinton Foundation. Actually, he did something with Africa, which is part of the Clinton Foundation. So, um, you know, he was very careful with the wording because for some reason they love going to Africa, right, guys? They love going to Africa. And that's the thing. We have the flight logs, which, by the way, are not even complete, omit names and aren't complete, and yet he's on them over 26 times. Yet he was only there, you know, four times. Oh, I've never been to his island, but there's a picture of you. I've never been there, but witnesses have seen you. It's so bizarre. So it was really weird to see him come out with a statement. I said he was going to come out with a statement, didn't I? Yesterday morning, I said it. He's going to come out with a statement and kind of along the lines like, I have never had sexual relations with that woman. Here we go again, him repeating the lie. And you only have to wonder as to, you know, how do you defend someone like that? We're seeing the left and the mainstream media try to defend him by putting pictures of President Trump showing complete love or being completely innocent with his daughter. Something that I talked about again yesterday, right? Which is what happened? Fathers are no longer allowed to show affection for their little girls because everybody's a pervert. I mean, even me, if I see a father showing affection for a little girl... You know, I might find it weird because I've been conditioned like that. Even though as a child, my dad used to show me immense love so much. He would kiss me, hug me, and even tell me I am so in love with you. So what do we see? Instead of the mainstream media addressing the issue that impeached You know, former President Bill Clinton, who was accused of having sexual relations, indecent relations, accused of rape, all the way from Oxford University in 1968. Rape, right? Rape. Now, you know, instead of talking about that and saying, well, his report card as a person says he rapes, he may kill, he causes concern, he, um, you know, uh, does things in the Oval Office that he shouldn't be doing. So, you know, now we find him on a jet with, uh, you know, convicted, you know, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein hopping around the Lolita Express you know, instead of talking about that, they're like, oh, look, look at pictures of President Trump and Ivana. Look at, you know, uh, him saying, I love my daughter and I'm in love with her. Look at um, just pictures. They're just putting pictures of her sitting on her father's lap, dude. That is insane. You have a daughter. Your daughter can't sit on your lap. It's got to be perverted. That's what's weird. It is so weird these days that we've strayed away from even showing affection to our own kids. But, you know, would you expect anything less? We're, we live in an age where, you know, we have complete disregard for life. Complete disregard for life. Abortion, if you can't value an unborn child, how are you going to value someone that's alive? We're going to talk about that tomorrow too. Because I have some interesting things to talk about the Clintons in regards to the whole Epstein thing. What I know happened in regards to the raid in New York and some odd things that I 
um, you know, something's a little bit off with this indictment. It only talks about New York and Florida. And it's like, well, what happened to Zorro Ranch? Because we all know Alan Dershowitz was a frequenter in at his New Mexico ranch. So why has that been left out? Have we not confiscated that? Where is that? Why aren't we talking about the ranch? So we'll talk all about that right after um, our break. So in the meantime, uh, you know, you guys, I just want to say I'll see you guys in just a little bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So this is the final hour of the Tory Says Show, and here's where we're going to talk about Epstein. But before we get into it, I just wanted to play a clip, just a short part of a clip from uh, Fox uh, News Business Network, where they were talking about China, because I played for you the clip from uh, Chinese... Um, television, well, Chinese CNA, okay, uh, TV, uh, where they talk about all U.S.-China news, and um, I think it's really important that you pay attention uh, to what I was saying, how we're down to the crunch now, and China is pulling the, you're messing with our sovereignty card. Take a listen. Nintendo says it is moving some of its production out of China, meanwhile, while the most recent proposed tariffs on Chinese imports could result in a Bible shortage in the United States. Apparently, the Bibles here in the U.S. are made in China. Joining us right now is the former U.S. Secretary of Commerce under President George W. Bush, Secretary <clears throat> Carlos Gutierrez. Mr. Secretary, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks so Good much for joining you, us this morning. Thank you. First, let me get your reaction on the China dispute. Uh, what do you want to see in terms of a potential deal, in terms of the U.S.'s pushback on some of China's behavior? Well, I think we have to get to a deal eventually, and, and I don't think it's going to be the perfect deal. I don't think it will be the only deal. We're going to be dealing with China for a lot of years, and this whole notion of once and for all, let's take care of China, I think is a bit unrealistic. Uh, we're currently stuck. The U.S. would like China to put some of the changes into their law. They're not willing to do that. Um, and, and China has really gone public with this whole, with the trade war. Uh, people in China are hearing about it every day. There are national songs about the trade war. 
that tells me that China is willing to to stick it out. And of course, the president is up against an election. So I think that's going to um, to gear where we go. Uh, but look, we're far away. The two parts are far away, and, and it doesn't seem like there's something obvious in the works. So both sides are going to have to compromise. Yeah. It's going to be a compromise deal. But should, but should the U.S. be pushing back if the Chinese will, will refuse to make uh, theft uh, against the law in China? I mean, so, you know, the last time we were looking at a deal that both sides were agreeing to was back in April. And at that time, the U.S. said to China, we need to make sure you stop stealing intellectual property from the U.S. And then in the, in the 11th hour, they refused to put that into law. Okay, so aside from, you know, Bush's um, guy saying things that I don't agree with, I wanted to point out things. So, first of all, I don't know why they're just saying Bibles, right? Okay, I am, <laughs> because you know what else China produces that we should be producing from like states like Oregon where we shut down lumber yards? Matchsticks. Match, match, um, matches. Chinese do all of that. Uh, they buy lumber from us, uh, but obviously we're not, our lumber mills are not working and operating in Oregon, you know, tree huggers, because all those years and decades that we were having operating lumber mills, you know, we didn't have trees. Of course we did, because they're done, you know, at a, in a way where you can still lumber every single day and make sure you have trees, but Okay. So that's one. Nintendo's moving out, going to Japan. Uh, you know, we've got China really sticking it out, and he's right. The Chinese have taken this public. Now they've used the hey, sovereignty card. Now, the reason that we need them to make it law is uh, for the intellectual property is a really big deal because this is how um, they make profit. They use our stuff, you know, they take it, and revamp it or slap another color on it or put their own chips in it and then it's theirs and they're reluctant to do it because how they see it is and it's a cultural thing too is well if you can take something that someone's done and put it out there faster and cheaper why not make money they don't identify with the idea of you know honest Hey, you own it. It's kind of like brand and generic meds. You see where I'm going with this? So brand name medications could say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want other companies producing it cheaper because then, you know, they, it could be the generic form, but it's not as effective as my brand one and you're ruining my brand. And they're like, well, we're calling it the generic name. So we're not calling it the brand. And this is what China is sticking with too. So uh, that's something that we're really strong about and, uh, you know, stomping our feet on. But we've got them with this whole Taiwan thing. So we'll see how it goes. But he's right in one sense that they're willing to stick it out because if they've come public with it, that's a huge deal. Now, in regards to the relations, we don't feel that China is a threat at all uh, in regards to uh, breaking down communications and causing issues, I guess, you know, internally for us uh, and turmoil on a, on a more global scale. Uh, they're all about business and they've been winning for many years taking advantage of this and they don't have the infrastructure to support honest hard work. Does that make sense? So I see that point. Now, remember when I was talking about Qatar, right? So I want to play a clip 
from uh, the bilateral Qatari meeting, which, again, I say, Sir Kim, the UK ambassador, was disinvited from. (laughs) I want you guys to listen to it because at the end he also talks about Epstein, and we're going to roll into that. Take a listen. President, I'm very happy and honored to be here, and thank you very much for your hospitality. As you mentioned, we enjoy a very great relationship between Qatar and the United States of America. We're doing a lot together. Uh, As you mentioned, President, uh, we're signing a few documents today, and uh, our uh, economic partnership has been more than $185 and we're planning to double this number. We have a lot of investments in the U.S. We trust the economy here. We do a lot in the infrastructure, and we're planning to do more investments. Yes, we host um, at our date base, and uh, it's, uh, we're working very closely together. You're invited to come and see Qatar and also to visit the base at uh, any time, Mr. President. And I really enjoy the personal friendship with you. Thank you very much for Thank everything. you very much. And I will say the base is incredible. It's, uh, what they've done there is absolutely and a great place to have it, right in the middle of the Middle East. And uh, so it's a, obviously it's a very important location. Uh, so thank you all very much. Yes. Mr. President, do you have any reaction to the subpoenas, the new subpoenas of Jared Kushner and other members of your administration? I don't know anything about it. Mr. I don't Mr. President, I'm going to ask you about Iran. How long are you going to wait before you see the Iranian enriched? Well, we're going to see what happens with Iran. Iran is doing a lot of bad things right now, and they better be very careful. Well, you know, I, I met Secretary Acosta this first time I know uh, when I made the deal to bring him on into the administration. I can tell you that for two and a half years, he's been just an excellent Secretary of Labor. He's done a fantastic job. Now, part of it is our economy is so good, our unemployment numbers are at record lows. You know, so many good things are happening. But the fact is, he's been a very good Secretary of Labor. What happened 12 or 15 years ago with respect to when he was a U.S. attorney, I think in Miami. Is it Miami? Yes, sir. You know, if you go back and look at everybody else's uh, decisions, whether it's a U.S. attorney or an assistant U.S. attorney or a judge, you go back 12 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago and look at their past decisions, I would think you'd probably find that they would wish they maybe did it a different way. I do hear that there were a lot of people involved in that decision, not just him. I can only say this from what I know uh, and what I do know is that he's been a great, really great Secretary of Labor. Uh, the rest of it we'll have to look at. We'll have to look at it very carefully. But you're talking about a long time ago. And again, it was a decision made, I think, not by him, but by a lot of people. So we're going to look at it very carefully. We'll be looking at that very carefully. Okay? Okay. Anybody else? Well, I knew him like everybody in Palm Beach knew him. I mean, people in Palm Beach knew him. He was a fixture in Palm Beach. Uh, I had a falling out with him a long time ago. I don't think I've spoken to him for 15 years. Uh, I wasn't a fan. I was not, yeah, a long time ago. I'd say maybe 15 years. Uh, I was not a fan of his. That I can tell you. I was not a fan of his. So uh, I feel very badly, actually, for Secretary Acosta, because I've known him as being somebody that works so hard and has done such a good job. I feel very badly about that whole situation. But we're going to be looking at that and looking at it very closely. We're also going to be signing a big contract in a little while, so we're going to see you in a little while in a different room in a different part of the White House where we're going to be signing up a big deal with Boeing. Thank you very much. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. 
Okay. First off, let me just point something out. He's sitting there with the Emir of Qatar. They're talking about $184 billion and doubling that in investments. Obviously, their energy from their posture isn't something that screams, hey, we're buddies. Not at all. Qatar looks, you know, the Emir looks completely stressed. He looks completely shocked. And look at the questions they ask. Instead of saying, all right, so let's talk about Qatar. Hey, Qatar, you were dealing with Iran. You have dealings with Iran. You buy oil from Iran. You trade with Iran. Hey, Qatar, you're offering weapons in Syria. You're offering weapons in Turkey. You're doing all this stuff. Instead of asking, you know, between the U.S. and Qatar, their relations, they're sitting there saying, oh, what about subpoenas for Jared Kushner? Like, who is she? Slapper. She should just be out of there. And they're asking about Epstein when they need to be asking about the people that are in the room because it totally dismisses um, his presence and what they're doing i mean think about it this the the mainstream media is so insane that they don't even want to report the news they don't want to tell you oh yeah you know the emir qatar is there and they talked about all these deals and they're going to be signing some agreements and we ask these questions why not have hard hitting questions to ask qatar call them to the carpet and put them in that situation where you get an answer from them and a response for our president because qatar A lot of Qatari money in America. He's right. We've invested a lot. Yes, they have. And they have influenced a lot. And they have donated a lot to the DNC. Yes, they have. So why aren't those questions being posed in that room with that opportunity? Because what? They don't care about the news. They just want to get rid of President Trump. They don't care about informing you. They don't care about politics, uh, you know, overseas. They don't care who we annihilate, who's bothering us, who's usurping us nothing all they care about is whatever talking points they want to put out so that is you know for me that's shocking uh you know that they're so blatant about it obviously not shocking to the sense that i expect no less but that is where we need to you know uh call the media out i mean come on man seriously you've got the qatari emir right there and you're not gonna ask him like what all right so let's roll into epstein first of all like the president said they had a falling out and they did um i uh tweeted out and in my latest article epstein's business partner clinton foundation received money for epstein services um you will um you can see the article archived article by the new york post where it clearly states uh that um you know uh president trump uh they confirmed it with marlago uh that uh, epstein was banned for an incident uh let me read it out to you specifically what it said oh that was in the other article so hold on it's 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 very highly specific in regards to what they said happened, uh, you know, and how, you know, President Trump, uh, you know, kicked him out and why. And it's and it's interesting that, the, you know, nobody's mentioning it. That's the interesting part. You're kind of like, well, why don't you talk about it? Why aren't you saying, oh, it's for this reason, not that. Um, but obviously no one wants the truth. Right. We see that. We see that all the time. No truth. 
And, you know, I asked the New York Post, hey, why did you guys like delete this article? I mean, this totally shows that this is on the record that Marlago said, hey, um, he's been banned. So let me read it out to you. It says, meanwhile, the Marlago Club in Palm Beach last night. So last night of what's the date here? I'll see the date in a little bit. Um, it's some, I think it's December 2007, but anyway. Meanwhile, the Marlago Club in Palm Beach last night confirmed a website report that Epstein has been banned there. And quote, he would use the spa to try to procure girls, but one of them, a masseuse, about 18 years old, um, he tried to get her to do things, the, a source told us. Her father found out about it and went absolutely ape bleep. Epstein's not allowed back. That was from the Marlago Resort. And that was what date? Let's take a look. Why can't I see the date now? It's 2007, December 2007. So, December what? Uh, I can't read it from where. Oh, no, that's wrong. It's October 15th, 2007. That was when it was published and they already knew about it. But nobody cares to tell you the truth. They're just going to sit there and reiterate what the attorney said rather than show you the evidence. All right. So let's move along. So yesterday I told you guys I predicted that uh, Bill Clinton would come out and play dumb and say that he doesn't know uh, Epstein, uh, that he didn't know about his activities. Well, let me tell you about another specific trip. So looking at the flight manifest, aside from the fact that you see Bill Clinton in the uh, incomplete, right, incomplete right, and purposely omitted names manifest, he's on there many, many times. Now, the specific trip that I'm talking about is one that happened on May 20th, 2002. He was no longer president, right? He had hopped a flight to Japan. He was at one of the largest U.S. naval bases in Japan, Atsugi uh, Naval Air Station. So he was there and guess what? Epstein's Lolita Express landed in a military installation on our base. Okay. On our base, from our base is where Bill Clinton got onto the Epstein jet. Bill Clinton got onto the Epstein jet on our military installation. Do you understand? That is how huge it is. Now, uh, Obviously, I have a lot of friends and one of them that was air traffic control and worked um, in Masawa and this base uh, said um, it put me through to sources. And then a source told me that um, they were there during that time. And Bill Clinton, along with a gentleman um, by the name of uh, who was it? Uh, Juan Zenhua. He was actually, um, we'll talk about him. Uh, he's actually a pedo too. A Doug Band, he was a special assistant to the president. And apparently he bought like this really huge uh, place in New York. And in the article I said, New York City, new pedo den. Uh, it's large, like Epstein's old place. Uh, two girls that were between the ages of 13 and 14 that came along with Juan Zenhua. Um, uh, named Janice and Jessica, a U.S. Army general. Very curious for that. Um, and then 
two agents that were procurement um, guys where they would like go and find girls and they were in town supposedly because there was a FIFA game and those guys cater to like get make sure they have women and kids for people that are flying in for FIFA games. Now we've seen that before. We've seen that at um, our, uh, you know, um, our Super Bowls, right? Uh, big air shows, car shows, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby. Lots of perverts like to go to the Kentucky Derby. Some of them come from North Dakota and, you know, they get caught with children. So that is something that, you know, ICE has told us about many times during these big events that they traffic a lot of kids. We've seen it in Georgia with events, etc. On top of that, we had um, Cindy Lopez. Uh, and Sarah Kellen, uh, both of them Epstein sex slave. And Sarah Kellen, obviously, from what we've seen, is not only his sex slave, but also a recruiter uh, to get other girls and groom them. And then there was a clean energy envi- advisor from Dresner, uh, Kleinwerner and Vastner, which is a subsidiary of Deutsche Bank, used to be. Now it doesn't exist. And the person was the director of the clean energy uh, division for Singapore. So they left there, went to Hong Kong, um, and then they stopped at uh, Guangdong, uh, the prefecture of Guangdong, uh, Shenzhen, actually, International Airport, uh, where they picked up the former president of China. So at the time, he was the president, and he was going to be stepping down soon. He did the year afterwards. Um, and they kind of went with him, uh, and they stopped. They all flew to Singapore to drop off the clean energy advisor. And then they stayed in Singapore at a boutique hotel that the former Chinese president, uh, Zemin, uh, Jiang Zemin, um, actually picked. So two days later, after staying in Singapore, um, they flew out to Bangkok, Thailand without the Chinese president. And there they picked up three Thai girls between the ages of 12 and 14 and departed for Brunei. Now, one thing uh, people need to understand is, is that when they landed in Brunei, the Sultan was very indebted to the Clintons. Why? In 1997, there was a lawsuit filed by former Miss USA Shannon Marketic. She had sued him, Jeffrey and the Sultan for $10 million claiming that she and six other women and six other women uh, had been hired for $127,000 each to travel to Brunei for professional appearances, supposedly involving intellectual conversations with visiting dignitaries. But instead, they were forced to be sex slaves. So this is coming straight from the horse's mouth, right? Straight from the horse's mouth that, you know, this is what goes on. And it's actually very descriptive. Uh, You know, she went on to say how and what, um, uh, you know, was done, how she was part of the harem uh, and how he beat all of these. I mean, just so you guys know, this went all the way up like, to um, the su- for six weeks in um, to the Supreme Court of New York. I mean, she lost in the end. But what's really weird is that she pretty much 
uh, stated what was going on and how it was going on. She said, you know, uh, she thought she was going to be living a fairy tale. Instead, she was told how to have sex, when to have sex. And there were a bunch of girls in that room. And, you know, their code word for sex is tea. Um, it, it was just, if you guys look at the article, click on the link where she tells her story. It'll make you cringe. It's really sad, too, to think that things like that happen and no one would do anything. Um, basically, you know, while they were there, uh, they would give them bonus boxes like jewelry. Um, one of the necklaces given to one of the young ladies was a hundred thousand dollars Christie's necklace. They would pay their rents back home, approve them to get, you know, plastic surgery, like boob jobs. Um, and whoever pleasured them in bed um, would, you know, would pleasure Jeffrey in bed. Uh, they would then be passed on to the Sultan, which is like a big honor, supposedly. And um, she said that when she uh, was passed on to the Sultan, uh, he flew her across the kingdom by helicopter to a hotel where she said that she honored him by performing fellatio. Like, this is how it works. Now, these this guy with the harem wants a variety of women he wants women you know to to have uh sex parties uh and and that's how it is they would have all these young women uh on his 747 jet which by the way i have pictures of because clinton actually hopped that uh with uh the sultan to fly back to europe and you know this this jet is the whole like it's money it's got gold plated sinks solid gold toilets bedrooms like a long hallway and he would kid it out with girls uh to entertain people kind of like epstein only it was his harem and he uh, i would say mandated that he be um taken care of now when all this came to public of course hollywood was outraged they were like oh my gosh he owns all these you know um hotels and all these things and we're gonna boycott it because he does the sultan of brunei owns a lot of hotels and we see the outrage again now with the whole hey you're not allowed to be gay in my country or else you're gonna go to jail if you are um you know where all of the social justice warriors are coming out with oh my gosh that's not allowed this is you know this is the United States of America. We shouldn't allow people to have businesses that, you know, treat um, gay members of their community like this because he passed a law saying you're not allowed to be gay. So I'm just giving you a background on this before we get into the details of the exchange. And then once we get into the details of the exchange, we're going to talk about other businesses that uh, the Clintons dabbled in. Specifically, I hinted, um, and I'm going to kind of hint to it without really saying much, uh, another business where the Clintons and their crew made billions and got away with it and other people took the fall so this was a hugely orchestrated thing and i'm thinking man what and when i stumbled upon it i'll i'll, I'll tell you guys after the break because it's 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 pretty insane uh, i'll see you all in just a bit Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. 
Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back, everyone. I am just so excited um, to go through this with you. Okay, so here's where um, I'm going to break down how Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton uh, sold services. So obviously, during the 90s, when this was filed under the Clintons, uh, you know, the Sultan got away with it by, uh, you know, uh, claiming and relying on the fact of diplomatic immunity, and he beat the charges that he was facing. Now, the Clintons really helped that case uh, go away, um, you know, on the notion of diplomatic immunity. So just so you guys know, when Clinton um, got to uh, Brunei. Uh, he went there with Jeffrey Epstein, um, met with the Sultan, and he introduced him because Jeffrey Epstein would take over the procurement of Western women for his harem. Because what they used to use is model agencies. And if you look at the files on Jeffrey Epstein from back in the day, they would tell you about this modeling agency called MC2, which was a front used to recruit women to go um 
to Brunei and be part of this harem. So that kind of came into play. And you have to wonder, why would the modeling agency that was used for the Sultan's harem be linked to Jeffrey Epstein? Nobody asked that question. Well, I did. And that's because Jeffrey Epstein took over uh, the procurement for the girls. He was actually the person running this MC2. So um, here's the deal. When Bill Clinton got to Brunei, he stayed at the Emperor Suite of the Sultan's Empire Hotel. That place was at the time sixteen and a half thousand dollars per night. Uh, it was like it was like the size of a football. Your suite, you, your own suite, had its own pool, and you know there was like real gold in the actual like decorations. It was the most decked out place ever. Now, uh, the Clinton Foundation received money from the Sultan of Brunei in May of 2002. Specifically, money received on May 23rd. Now, I've been trying to pull the documentation. Um, the only thing that I was able to procure the right way and um, show it was uh, through the Clinton Foundation where they um, talk about their generous generous supporters and uh, where the money came from. And you can see that it's the uh, government of Brunei uh, that donated between $1 million and $5 million. And that money was donated in May of 2002, at the time when Bill Clinton brought Jeffrey Epstein to the Sultan to then take over his procurement of Western girls. This is why when this whole scandal with Epstein came out, this agency MC2, which was used to procure girls only for the Sultan, was kind of brought up even though nobody actually made the link. Are you getting it? So there is so much out there, but so much hidden. I mean, these mainstream media outlets have gone to great lengths to eradicate any information you can find. I mean, this was the Clinton cartel, quid pro quo. Again, what do they do? They help their buddies and they make them pay for it. And, you know, uh, Epstein and the Clinton Foundation, uh, you know, they were in bed together. They created this stuff together. Together. But, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know about that. Look, there's a long list of crimes that the Clinton cartel have done. Okay, long list of crimes, long list. I'm going to tell you something. This article that I'm going to be putting out short and sweet. Guys, I kid you not. I kid you not. And I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay, the Clintons had actually created a company to raise money to offset personal legal fees that they may incur. And they did this and they established this company in 1998. Okay, so before Bill Clinton was impeached, before anything, they had created a company to raise money for their legal fees and specifically it's for them to retain counsel for any expenses out of investigations, actions, other matters for Bill and Hillary. Now, all of us will think, ooh, it has to do with the Monica Lewinsky. Mm, no. Ooh, it has to do with the Sultan. Mm, no. Maybe. Maybe. All of these are maybes, actually. It has to do with Uranium One. Mm, maybe. But what if it has to do with Enron? Ha. I'm going to, I'm telling you guys, 
Uh, I can't believe this is probably going to be the story of modern history. I have uncovered something that was so incredible. And you know, the way God works is insane, right? First of all, my favorite saying, to keep America good, you got to keep God in America. I have to think that there's always a reason for something. I am very faithful. I am very religious, though I don't pounce it in people's faces. You know, I'm not fussed about Bibles shortages because they're printing them in China. Let's get printers over here doing it. You know, um, I'm, I'm a Bible thumper, one would say, but not in your face. So when I was looking into the Sultan, I saw that he made an investment to a company that was linked to Enron, an investment that was so small and gave him such a huge return afterwards. And we're talking, this is, this is like the nineties. Okay. Cause I was trying to dig into links between the Clintons. Now guys, I actually found, okay, the biggest link between the Clintons and Enron. What if I told you they were the same company? What would you say? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I have it all. And here's the weird thing. So this Enron case has been sitting dead since 2001. All of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, it woke up and there has been a, there, they put in a motion to dismiss and purge. Hold on a second, you guys. If you're in a lawsuit with a company like Enron and you're in this lawsuit and it's happening, why would it just die and no one does anything as of 2001? Why did it just die? Like, no, hey, case closed or hey, here's a subpoena or hey, you need to respond. What happened? Why did it just suddenly stop? Anybody think of anything like why would it stop? How would it stop? When would it stop? Why? Why, why, why is the question. And so I noticed that the filing was simply to close the case without any judgment and purge it. Guys, no joke. So I've reached out to a lot of people to help me on this because it is so huge so huge, beyond huge. Like I even found a law firm that was suing Enron yet was owning portions of Enron. Are you getting this right now? They were suing Enron and I have evidence that they owned Enron. Like, you know, not owned, that's wrong. They were the registered agent for Enron company. (laughs) So like, how weird is that? I'm your registered agent. I know everything you do. I get money from it. You know, I represent you and yet I'm suing you, but don't tell anyone that I was your registered agent. That's what's crazy. So this all came to light. Um, I'm going to be working on this. I'm just telling you guys, this is massive. And the thing is, how can you purge information easily? It's not easily done. Uh, There are many states that have purged this company from their records. Other states uh, that do not provide it at all, they've completely purged where you can't even find it as an inactive company. This company was registered as a foreign entity. Entity. Foreign. Hmm. But its address was what? Enron's address. And the CEOs and everyone, all part of the same companies, 
all part of the same shell companies. Shell companies that are numbered. So it would be company one, company two, company three, company four, company five. I, I kid you not. The list goes on. Same guy, CEO for all those companies that are numbered. What does that tell you? It's legit shell companies. So this came to light when I was looking at the money that the Clintons got from the Sultan for, you know, pimping services, right? To find girls for the Sultan's harem. It is crazy. And that's how I also found out that the Clintons had their own little like fund set up so people can donate money for their legal expenses. So they knew they were going to be going to court. They knew they had done wrong and they were asking for money. And do you remember how Hillary Clinton said that when they left the White House, they were broke? They were dead broke. Well, they were raising funds all up until let me take a look. When did this um, fund close? 2003. So they had this fund up until 2003 for five years. Well, that was a registration, so I don't know how long it went. Um, And this is just one state, right? Because all the other states have pretty much purged things, purged things. So it's pretty incredible that they had a company that was Enron, itself so it was like enron one enron two xyz company xyz company xyz one company xyz two so enron was like 500 companies as well it was like a little mirror hence the whole pyramid scheme the bumble the ponzi scheme etc etc and in the middle of it are the clintons guys so i have to wonder i have to wonder what caused them to suddenly out of the blue 19 years later to say oh hey court can we like close this case and purge it please why 19 years later what triggered them in april of 2019 to file that motion and then get some action done in june of this year just last month this is the question what prompted them to start to cover tracks what prompted them to do these kind of things and why was it registered as a foreign entity who was it registered under i found everything so uh, you know this is a pretty huge story it is breaking uh you know i'm putting it out there so people know this is how i found it i was checking out because sultans and other foreign business people were making tons of money investing in this company and getting a payout now I haven't been able to get many records because no one is giving them to me. And an email that I received today um, for one of them said, um, because of the age of the entities, the information you seek will take a considerable amount of time because the above references will need to be researched. Now, these, this company that had the same name across the nation was pretty much, you know, uh, registered agents were funds. So they were like energy fund managers, hedge fund managers, and law firms. So that's crazy. And remember, with Enron, a lot of hardworking people 
lost their pensions, right? A lot of hard, but you know, the Clintons lined their pocket and I don't know why the Clintons haven't been held accountable for this. I'm pretty sure that the whole reason they set up this legal fund was not for the, for the, for the rape, not for the kinky, not for the impeachment, not even for the Epstein pimping or whatever, not even for uranium one. Cause that came way later. You know, they had a take their chick from the Priya from the Department of Energy down to the Department of Energy, uh, the Department of Treasury, where she was at up until 2017 and in constant contact with Peter Strzok to delete stuff. So it's not the uranium one that she was worried about. She was worried about this one. And you know why? Because almost all of Congress will go down with that the minute that's exposed. Because I could tell you what, I've already found Blumenthal, Pelosi, Nadler, Bloomberg, de Blasio from way before then, they were all taking part in this company. They were making money. So this can take down every single person you see up there that's foaming at the mouth the minute they see or hear, they see a picture of President Trump or hear his voice, they foam at the mouth. When Hillary Clinton said, you know, if he gets, you know, if I go down, I'm taking all of Congress with me. She was not lying. We are talking about one of the biggest scandals. Enron totally shut up. Everybody kind of, it was such a mashup, right? None of you actually know what happened. But remember, months ago, I told you, I did a lot of internships, lots of them in England, lots of them in the late nineties and early thousands, right? I've said that. I've worked for the United Bank of Switzerland, Goldman Sachs, Bear Stearns. I mean, I've got, you know, um, tax filings from overseas that show that these internships. So I know exactly what I'm talking about when I tell you these foreign entities and how it goes. No one ever, no one is ever going to understand what happened with Enron because it's so muddy for that specific reason, because they don't want you to know. They just want to show that it went a little bit out of control. And when a specific country that was an investor decided to pull out and said, I'm not doing this uh, because, you know, we could keep doing this. But at some point it's going to pop. Um, you know, they couldn't cover it. That's basically what happened. They tried to create this Jedi company. They tried to create this company and they were giving the financials themselves, blowing things up when they weren't existent. Then they got this other company, a fictitious company that was part of Enron that they used as a front saying, oh, this is our new investment. Everybody get hyped up, invest. And then it all went pear-shaped because people discovered it was the same company. And what they discovered was what I'm telling you, there were 50 companies that were mirrors of Enron. They were the same exact company. This is how they made their money. So like it would be company XYZ would say, oh, I have interest in Enron buy me. So you would buy XYZ for $5, right? And XYZ would buy, you know, Enron for $2. Enron would get you know, $2 XYZ would keep $3. And then you have ABC that says buy me because I can get XYZ. And so you're buying ABC pretending that they're buying Enron, but they're really buying XYZ. Okay. Let me do it this way. Company one, two Enron, right? So we've got Enron buy my stock. It's 50 bucks. And you're like, great buying your stock now. Then you have somebody else saying, Hey, buy my stock. Cause I own 
uh, parts. I ho- I own a huge chunk of Enron, and I can get you Enron stock for four bucks. And then you're like, sure, uh, forty bucks. Sure, I'm buying it. Forty bucks for Enron. So then that first company gives Enron twenty bucks keeps 20 bucks. And then another company, number two says, Hey, I could get you Enron for like, you know, $35. You're like, great. I want it. And then they give, you know, a company one, you know, um, uh, $30. They keep $5 company one then gives Enron, uh, you know, $15 and keeps $15. And that's how you get this pyramid scheme where, you know, all these companies are created, but in essence, they're the same freaking company. Okay. And then when nobody wants to invest anymore, cause there's nothing new, they create a make believe company so that everybody can get hyped up and want to invest. This is what happened. But what if I told you one of the key companies was owned by the Clinton cartel? What would you say? Oh my God. And I've got the evidence because here's the thing. When you've done things through private entities or places where you have, um, uh, no, um, how would I say, um, Ooh, it's the word that I'm looking for. No obligation to then, you know, most of that stuff gets deleted and purged with no problem whatsoever. None. So you have to think like, all right. Um, I, I don't own, I don't owe, uh, you know, <clears throat> registered agent, Joe Schmo, anything, uh, you know, delete it, done. Joe Schmo doesn't know me. I don't know Joe Schmo. You're done. But when you have someone that registers your company that is a government official or that takes the stand of, of the state or manages a fund that, uh, you know, state, city employees pay into, dude, you have an obligation. And dude, there is a, a whole long trail of uh, paper trail. You can't destroy public records that easy. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've procured, uh, you know, you can't read a lot of it because it's been scanned. Man, some of this stuff was set up from like, we're talking like late 80s. Okay, like late 80s. Like this is just how corrupt these people are. They're clowns. They're disgusting. And they just move forward all the time doing the same thing over and over again, taking from the people that work the hardest. And, you know, that is how socialists operate. Right, guys? Because socialists have no morality. Socialism is not built on faith, love, compassion, or God. There is no God in a socialist or communist nation. No, you remove that. The only God is the government. And morals, we set the rules. That's the way communists and socialists work. So these insane sociopaths, psychopaths that do such vile things to children, people, you know, with no remorse. They have absolutely no remorse. They laugh in your face. They run for office. I mean, how could Bill Clinton sit there and give a speech of how, oh, I didn't know, and I only went four times? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Come on, guys, seriously. Like, it it tells you everything you need to know about how they value you as a person because they don't value you enough 
to be at least honest with you and tell you, you know, what it's what's really going down. That's how it is. They really don't care. They don't. They don't. They actually don't care. They don't care how you think it looks. The media is going to tell you how it looks. They don't care what you feel because the media is going to tell you what to feel. You know, they don't care what the facts are. The media is going to tell you what the facts are. You're not allowed to make those decisions. How dare you? This Epstein case will blow things out of the water. This is like a Pandora's box. Now, let me tell you about what I know about Epstein because I've been following Epstein for many, many, many years. And I won't, you know, disclose on a public platform why, but I'm going to kind of just let you know when they went into his house in New York, I can tell you they saw so many photos, so much gross stuff going around. It's ridiculous. But I also want to tell you that just like George Nader, Jeffrey Epstein knew he was getting arrested. Jeffrey Epstein knew he was coming in and Jeffrey Epstein had a plan of getting a plea deal done. And this is all set. I'm just saying because one thing I noticed from the indictment was its specificity, an extreme specificity, actually. How is it that in this indictment, only Two properties within the United States are mentioned. And the one in New York is to be confiscated. Remember, that place in New York is money. That used to be a school. His house used to be a school. Now, I don't know what they're going to turn it into. Definitely not a school because there's going to be some serious hauntings from all those children that have lost their, let's just say, they're only talking about New York, which is, which makes me think that New Mexico is going to be a separate case. So the ranch in New Mexico is where the most nefarious acts happen. The ranch in New Mexico is where snuff films would happen. The ranch in New Mexico is where a lot of the politicians that are now sitting in seats would go. Where a lot of generals would go. Majors. Admirals. So that's the thing. I found it peculiar how they talked about Palm Beach and Florida and and New York, but said nothing about New Mexico. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, uh, they asked this question. Oh, uh, why are you doing it now? Like, you know, so many years later, he already has a plea deal with Florida. How come you're doing it now? Oh, because the plea deal in Florida doesn't apply here. Well, the question is, why are you doing it now? Right. That's the key question. Did you just wake up in the morning and say, oh, I need to stop Epstein from having sex with little girls and selling them around the world and buying little boys and girls and placing them in islands and nobody ever sees them again. I need to get Jeffrey Epstein because he has, you know, sacrificial rituals with children involved and all these politicians and it's satanic and it's disgusting and it's evil and it has to stop. Did you now wake up and do this? No, you did not. What happened is, what is the Southern District of New York currently investigating? What did Barr charge them with to investigate? That's the question. The question's answer is, 
He charged them with the task to investigate the origins or how they created this dossier, right? Because they're doing this, right? Looking into how this investigation with the Mueller Russia probe started. So what are they looking at? The origins of this dossier. So, huh. How much you want to make a bet that somebody that was procured or some information that was procured kind of involved Jeffrey Epstein's jet? I mean, hmm. you want to make a bet? Because that's how you get things. You don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, you know what? This happened in 2008. It's like 11 years later. I think I want to prosecute. Didn't do it before. Nobody before them did it in New York. I don't see anyone in New Mexico popping up and saying, well, you did atrocious crimes in Mexico. One of the witnesses even put pictures of herself in New Mexico where she was assailed at the age of 15 in her affidavit. And yet I don't see anyone in New Mexico or any U.S. attorney in New Mexico going after that. Why? Questions, questions, questions. That's all we have. So what we need to do is understand that we need to hold on to our seats because it's going to be a bumpy ride and it's going to be pretty crazy and like I said yesterday it's all going to be about how we can link it to Trump and if you guys saw that viral tweet going around WikiLeaks has already started deleting Bill Clinton's name from associations with Epstein but obviously keeping Trump up there so make sure to stay diligent stay focused and understand what we're really up against here okay now, on that note, I just wanted to tell you guys, um, I wish you a great evening. Thanks for tuning in today. And hopefully we won't have any more technical issues going forward. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. I'll see you all tomorrow, same, pl- same time, same place, 12 to 2. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye.